The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Sounds like I lost audio, Matt. I don't know if that was just a very good mime impersonation or if that was you losing audio. Uh, this is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast with Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. Matt's going to try and refresh. If you can hear me, sounds like we're rolling. Uh, can you hear Matt. me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I was that. Was it on the whole time and you was, literally were doing was, a mime impersonation? Because that I was, was just top seeing who was paying notch. attention. I was just seeing who was paying attention. Uh, yeah, that's all I had to say about that. Yeah, uh, you know, sorry, I hit the mute button. That's how lame I am at this thing. Am I over 40? Yes, I am. Anyway, you're listening to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Matt Connor. It's good to be back after a week away. Folks, uh, look, some of you have commented before, Matt, are you just broadcasting from your bedroom? And I'm like, yes. And then when I'm in a closet, it sounds good. But then you guys are like, why are you surrounded by like your wife's blouses? Not that she really wears like blouses, like she's on the Golden Girls or whatever, but you get what I'm saying. Anyway, the long story is they're working on our basement right now and I'm getting like a really nice soundproof room, going to be great for all this kind of stuff. But they're like banging and sawing and putting in studs other than myself and Sterling. So there's all kinds of activity going on. And last week, Sterling took things by himself. All that to say, I'm just glad to be back. How are you doing, Sterling? I'm very glad to be back. You called yourself old dude. I threw my arm out playing softball. I could not golf on a Sunday, so I mowed my lawn. I might be 97 because the night before in my Uber home, I talked about Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. (laughs) I will say my shoulder is sore from Nintendo Switch bowling. So (laughs) there you go. Uh, You know what's also old, but we appreciate it because it's old. The German purity laws of 1517, my friends. All hail Casey beer right now, if you're listening. Right now, I'm drinking the Hell's Lager. Uh, They brew all their beer according to the German purity laws of 1517, using malt, water, hops, yeast, making great stuff with only four ingredients. They've been doing it for a while. They're becoming more and more reputable in the region and in the country. We love what they do, and we're so glad that they sponsor us. And uh, we're happy to be linked with them. So, yeah, that's one old thing, at least. That's good. We're, we're, we're old and no good, but I'm still glad to be here with you, Sterling. Uh, lots to talk about. The Chiefs are in pads. The Chiefs are in practice, in pads. By the way, did you see Juju Smith-Schuster says, this is the hardest practice I've ever had on <laughs> like day one, day one of pads. And Juju, who's like a four or five year veteran, says, uh, "Oh, this is the hardest I've ever had it." It's not like his coach is a is a like a like a fluffy cloud. Like he like Mike Tomlin's a great coach uh, in Pittsburgh, and and then I remember Jeff Jeff Allen retweets him and says, uh, "Bro, you're just getting started." 
like, like enjoy the grind kind of thing. I, I just love it. How are you doing with all this? Well, dude, it's hilarious. Juju Smith-Schuster was out here going, oh, it's so hot. Thanks to all the fans that came out and suffered through this brutal heat. It was 75. Today, <laughs> it was triple digits. It was a Raldis Chapman throwing a fastball hot outside. And now I think Juju starting to understand you're no longer in the confines of Pennsylvania. You're now in the heartland. Not only that, it gets real hot at St. Joe, that field. It's it's a furnace out there. So I think for multiple reasons, it was a tough practice for Juju, but I'm glad he's here. I've been so excited to watch his progression. He already looks to have a good rapport with Mahomes. We saw and heard that he and Mahomes in Texas. First, they went to Texas in practice. Come on, Juju. You should know about heat by now. But still, you, you love to hear that Juju and Mahomes, without even being asked, are already trying to work together. That six to ten chain yardage, uh, moving the chain yardage on third downs, it's going to be incredible to watch. Not only that, Juju uh, basically has come out and said he's already ran more routes, different style of routes in his time in Pittsburgh. He's excited to have a quarterback who can actually give him the ball. It's not weakened at Bernie's. Now he's got a gunslinger back there. You just have to think he regrets his decision last year. You know, he tried to go back, make good, you know, finish things up with Big Ben. He had the history there. I I get it. That's familiar in its home in that way. But he could have really started things. I mean, you know, he'd be in his second year now if he would have resigned. I mean, uh, you know, it would have been cool to see him here last year. But it's I'm so glad to see him come back around. Well, Orlando Brown Jr. is back in the building. This is exciting news. The Chiefs know who's going to play left tackle. He signed his franchise tag. This is huge. No more. Who is it going to be? Is it going to be Roderick Johnson? Is Joe Tooney moving over? We know it's going to be Orlando Brown Jr. He had a few quotes that I want to touch on really quickly. One of the first ones was, I want to be here. I want to finish my career here in Kansas City. I'm sure questions are out there, but to me, with the contract situation, it just wasn't enough guarantees. I love ball. I love blocking for Patrick Mahomes. I love putting the Chiefs logo on my helmet. I really enjoy being here. What was your initial reaction to Orlando Brown Jr. coming back first day of pads to Chiefs training camp? I, I was I was very surprised that he came back as soon as he did. I mean, to me, to me, you skip training camp and you wait until, you know, because training camp doesn't mean the full preseason. It means three and a half weeks. And then you're back at Arrowhead for the rest of the preseason games and practices. And to me, you know, if I'm a veteran player and I'm, you know, and and I have a ticket out of like these sweltering practices like you're just that you're talking about. And I could probably make more of my point, whatever that was for Orlando. Like I, I thought that was the way that he would go. So as an outsider, I was actually very heartened by like, like I'm happy to see Orlando there as a fan. That makes me feel like, okay, maybe there's some, there's a possibility of restoring this whole situation and relationship. And, 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 and makes me, it makes me think better of Orlando. It was just a surprise to me. Was it a shock to you to see him report as of August 1st, August 2nd? Yeah, I was shocked. I did not think he was going to miss a game. I thought he'd be there for the preseason. But him coming this early speaks volumes. I know there's a veteran in Joe Tooney on the offensive line, but I've noticed a lot of audio from Andy, from Travis Kelsey, from his agent, from Orlando Brown Jr. himself. They keep talking about leadership and having the same 
conversations, the name being brought up time and time again is Orlando Brown Jr. I find this very fascinating because, again, he's not the oldest tenured chief on the offensive line. He's not the typical guy you would look to as far as leadership. You looked at Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, but a name that keeps getting brought up is Orlando Brown Jr., so he must do a phenomenal job in the locker room connecting with his with the players. So I think this is good for him. If he wants to be known as that leader, if the players respect him that much, this was big for him to come back as soon as he did. Yeah, I, I'm also heartened by the quote that you gave because there's a sense in which you think maybe they really can get a long-term deal done after this season. You know, I mean, I mean Patrick Mahomes, Travis, Veach, Everyone, even in like the few days before Orlando showed up and before we knew he was coming back at that time, everyone was saying, hey, we're like Brett Veach said, we're going to welcome with with arms open. You can insert a Creed joke there if you want. Right. But but like like they didn't have to say everyone was being overly positive. We can't wait for him to get back. Everyone was saying, we know he's going to show up in shape. We know he's a great leader. Everyone was just stoked to have him back. And now that he's back, he's saying, I always wanted to be here. I want to finish my career here. Who knows what will happen in the end? But I love that this thing never reached any sort of crazy drama. It didn't create a cloud. No one on either side allowed this to turn into more than it did. Yeah, it it sounds like there's zero animosity. It sounds like there's still a lot of potential for a long-term deal to get done after the season. He mentioned the main issue, or basically the only issue, was the guaranteed money. I know there's that quote that was circulating. If you hear it at the by itself, it sounds bad when he says it wasn't about, or I'm not doing it for the money. Well, I mean, you are. You're not going to work for free. But when you listen to the whole the whole structure of the conversation to me it sounds like i was the money wasn't the issue it was the guaranteed money right that's what i think he was trying to say was it wasn't the money i'm not in it for the overall money it was the guarantees that were the issue i think he may have misspoke i'm not trying to put words in his mouth but when you take all of the conversation into consideration that one quote was getting played a lot i just think it's a little bit out of context i've been very tough on orlando brown jr if you listen to this podcast i've been one of the ones i've said you know why hasn't he signed this that and the other today though just massive respect for him showing up again like you mentioned well before he really had to if you are a veteran trying to prove a point he's doing all the right things at this point and this again just leads me to believe it was all about the guarantees that's what it came down to bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. And, you know, I I guess I want to defend Orlando just a, just a little bit here. Maybe you can disagree with me. We often do about Orlando Brown Jr. Um... I think 
you know, even when I read that quote, which he was talking about guaranteed money, but even when he says I didn't do it for the money and everyone wants to like, oh yeah, you did. And and then, and, and like that idea that he has to say, I didn't do it about the money, I think is wrong. Like, like, in fact, I almost want Orlando to go say it. You can say it's about the money because whose job is not about money. Like, like right now you and I doing what we do, like we don't do this stuff for free. No one like wakes up on a Monday or Tuesday and says like, Hey, where's a corporation I can give myself to today for eight hours. It's not about the money. Of course it's all, it's about the money. That doesn't mean that I won't do it with excellence. If it's also about the money, it doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. If I expect a paycheck, it doesn't mean I can't be a team player just because I want the money coming to me. It just means, Hey, it's a job and it is about the money. And a lot of these guys, this is their, this is their moment to get generational wealth. Any of us would go after it. And so in some ways, I almost wish Orlando would have looked at the reporter and said, it's totally about the money. That doesn't mean everything you want to attach to it, but of course it's about the money. And just to hear that sort of honesty, it feels like he has to do a little bit of PR. And I just wish he didn't feel the need to do that. Before we move on from Orlando Brown Jr. talk, his last quote I want to bring up that I thought was pretty impactful was, I miss a lot of ball up to this point. I miss the locker room. I miss the coaches, everyone here in the building. I know how important this five-day stretch is to Coach Reed and everybody here at KC. I just didn't feel right sitting at home, missing out on this. This is something I want to be a part of. You know I was brought here to help win Super Bowls, and this week is very important to our progression. A guy who at least understands this is an important time. Missing this causes more harm than it does progress. If you want to get paid like an elite left tackle, missing what can be very impactful for his growth, considering he's only had one, only one full season at left tackle, only one season in this scheme, which is completely different from Baltimore. He knew the importance of showing up at this exact time. Yeah, you are totally right. You are totally right. We we heard, we heard this from a number of players so far in camp. Uh, Mike Dana yesterday was talking about, hey, the things that we're trying to do on this defensive line, like this is when they happen. It's not like during the regular season. But by the time you're practicing in week eight, you're just getting ready for that opponent. Like if we're, if we're trying to install new things, if we're trying to take our game to the next level, if we're trying to elevate our technique, if we're trying to um, become versatile in ways that we're currently not, all those tools that we're wanting to use for the next 17 weeks and in the postseason, like this is when we acquire like all of them now. And so I, I think Orlando's clued into that. I think, I think, I think you're exactly right there. Sterling, any other thoughts on Orlando and and kind of what what he brings, or are you good there? I'm fine. I'm just glad he's back. I'm glad he's here for the first day. He came back sooner than I expected. Uh, Only so much Orlando Brown Jr. I can talk. Again, I want to see that next level he brings because it's great having a good left tackle. It's great having a solid left tackle, but I want to see him, if he wants to get paid like this, be an elite left tackle. (laughs) Uh, Okay, next. I I want to do a little thing here. I'm, I'm calling it Pearl Jam the Game. Uh, and that's because I want to see who of us can find the better man. Side note here. Side note, when I was in college, we had like voicemail in our in our room, dorm room. And my last name's Connor. So my voice message was, she lies and says she's love. Or you called, is like you called something, something. Anyway, it was like, you can't find the Connor man. And then I thought that was so genius. And then everyone just thought that was the stupidest thing they'd ever heard. Uh, anyway, I don't know why I just did that for you. That's, that doesn't even sound like Eddie Vedder. It sounds like Eddie Worser. <laughs> but 
Uh, we're doing uh, – anyway, let's play Pearl Jam the game. Let's see who can find the better man here. Sterling, this is the dumbest segment we've ever done. I'm sorry, Paul. So I apologize. I'm going to feel so alive doing this. Yeah. Oh, man. We have – the flow is not quite even, but we will get there. If your name anyway, is Jeremy and want to hop in, feel free. Love it. There is no code to anything we're doing. So, um, <laughs> by the way, I love Pearl. Do you like Pearl Jam? Can we talk this real fast? Uh, I like Pearl Jam. I would prefer if we're listening to the grunge area or uh, genre, Soundgarden. Grunge area. Where are you even? Seattle. Right now? I'm in Kansas City. So there we go. Soundgarden. Chris Cornell. You can't put Soundgarden. Stone Temple Pilots. I mean, Stone Temple Pearl Pilots Jam. were a Pearl Jam knockoff for two albums. Get out of here. Scott Weiland. That doesn't sound like a goat. Sorry. If I were to listen to a goat, I would listen to Stevie Nicks. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I don't even know what to say to you. Alice in Chains. Like, Alice in Chains is so much better than Pearl Jam. I don't I don't dislike Alice in Chains. I like Alice in Chains. Lane Staley, rest in peace. I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, look, let's play this game. You're going to play this game whether you like Pearl Jam or not. All right? So shut up. I mean, don't shut up. Talk about it. But here, anyway, here we go. So um, here's the way this works. Sterling and I, um, I'm going to bring up a couple players. You tell me if you think he's going to be on the active roster or not, because some of these are going to be kind of vital competitions uh, as training camp winds down. I want to play a little bit in advance so we can brag if we get it right. Who here is the better man, Dion Bush at safety or Zane Anderson at safety? Dion Bush. Dion Bush. He he it was brought in for a reason. I think he's firmly going to make the the roster. Uh, I, I know Dave Tobe has a lot of decisions to make as far as who he gets to choose when it comes to special teams. Zane Anderson messed up multiple times on special teams. I don't think Zane's going to play on the field at all. I think Dion Bush is actually going to get at least some playing time early on, right? I truly believe he'll, he'll get at least some. Brian Cook's going to be the third safety as the season progresses. Going to happen. But early on, I, I think we could see some Dion Bush. I just don't see uh, a, a spot where Zane Anderson makes the roster. I think uh, I think Bush is out. I think Bush is going to get cut at the very end of training camp. Uh, I think you roll four safeties, and I think Zane Anderson is that final safety. Dude had two interceptions yesterday in camp. Uh, Dave Tobe loved him at season's end. I know some people are really down on him for some of his, uh, you know, he had a couple costly miscues there when he was given playing time, but we've talked about Zane before. I think he's going to be, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be better than. than By the Bush. way, the band Bush might even, be be- might even be better than Pearl Jam. So there you go. I be still my, all right. Yeah. I need some, uh, you know, I don't want to come back down. To that cloud. Here we go. Uh, all right, who's next? DiCaprio Boodle or DeAndre Baker? Which player is getting a spot on the active roster, if any? I'm going to go with DiCaprio Boodle. I'm, I'm rolling with him. I, I think he makes it as the final, the sixth cornerback. DeAndre Baker, I just feel, is on the outside looking in. He did not impress at all, at least in my eyes. He had more injuries. We've not heard about him hardly at all. DiCaprio Boodle's now been in the system. He'll play special teams. They have a lot of new pieces in the secondary. If I'm going to lean one player, I've heard, I've heard a lot of great things from DiCaprio Boodle. There's Daniel Harms, who I really trust. He's a film analyst for RGR Football. He's been in my ear saying, DiCaprio Boodle, this is a guy to at least look out for. I love the name. Got to go with DiCaprio. <laughs> uh, you know, they've been saying, you know, I've just been reading positive reports about Baker 
um, this preseason. Like he's elevated his game to a new level. And I just somehow can't get over like the first round pick pedigree, the the 15 game starter as a rookie pedigree. I, I know, I know that was with the giants. I know he's done nothing with the chiefs, but he had that injury that, that injury when he was in like week 17 in his first year here. I just wonder if maybe just maybe he's now healthy and ready and ready to surprise. I'm going to go Baker there. I think he makes it. Um, I think you're right about Boodle though. I think he's going to stick around. He's got a real place here, even on the practice squad if so. And, and over the course of a season, you know, of course that can never know what injuries bring up. Um, let's talk offensive line here. We have Orlando Brown Jr. back in the fold, which really limits spots for another offensive tackle. Roderick Johnson was getting the reps when Orlando was out. However, Jaron Christian was the swing tackle signing of the offseason. Which one of those guys, like how do you see that playing out? I'm going to go with Roderick Johnson. The reason being, if he was tabbed first, to be that guy, that leads me to believe there was a reason behind that. I'm not saying he's going to be this phenomenal player, but if you were tabbed first, and even Andy Reid, we might be looking too much into it. Andy Reid came out and said, it's going to be a rotation until Orlando Brown Jr. comes back. But if you were tabbed first, there's a reason behind it. The offensive line is going to have a lot of moving parts. Uh, If you want to just hear how my breakdown goes, I'm keeping nine offensive linemen. Brown Jr., Tooney, Humphrey, Trey Smith, Andrew Wiley, Darian Kennard, Nick Allegretti, Roderick Johnson, and then I would have Lucas Niang as the ninth. And if he is placed on the the pup list, right, then I'm going to go with Austin Ryder just making it as the de facto number nine. But I'm going with Johnson. That's who I'm going with. Well, I, that was very well spelled out. I like I like what you're saying. And I agree that the playing time seems to indicate that. I'm not sure... I'm going to go with Jaron Christian, although I'm a little concerned that I haven't heard anything about Jaron, like good or bad, about what Jaron Christian has been doing at camp. I, I I don't know what to expect there. At the same time, I I like his overall potential and and his starting experience coming in from Houston. And I think the preseason is long enough that you can get a nice long look at Roderick Johnson first week. You can get a good long look at, at like Nuke, Lucas Niang when he's healthy again. You can do that with like some of these backup guys. You can rotate them in slowly. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But but I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with Jaron Christian. By the way, it's hard to it's hard not to love a comment like his name is Rod Johnson. He wins. Uh that's good Scooter Wallace there. Anyway. Um Mr. Swamp also asked, well, let's go to the comments for just a couple here. How about the trade Niang idea? Uh, you you want to take something there? Yeah, I, I don't think it makes a lot of sense just based on I don't think you get anything for him. I don't know what team is trading for Niang based on small sample size. I believe he's only played in nine games. Uh, just off the top of my, my head right here, I think it's nine games. He's been hurt the majority of his career. I don't see a team trading hardly anything for him if you get a what six rounder was it worth it i don't believe so the chiefs already have a plethora of draft capital at the current moment i I think niang's upside for kansas city makes sense i think if he's healthy i think he could be the starter that's who i would tab as the starter i just think he's going to be placed on the pup list to start the year and then i think he'll be back at some point hopefully after the six weeks are up yeah i I think you're totally right if you trade him right now you're trading him for pennies on the dollar his his value is never going to be lower he took an opt-out year, then he's always injured um, or often injured, let's say it that way. Um, uh, to trade him right now makes no sense when 
his potential upside is what it is. If you're the Chiefs, you just say, "Well, I'm not going." I'm not going to trade him for that little. It's it's be- like I'm, we're much better off putting him on the pup list and then and then hoping he can turn into a starter. So that makes sense. But but I mean I I get the idea of trading someone. There are several potential starting candidates for that right tackle job. If Darian Kennard can't slot in like a Trey Smith did last year, you're looking at maybe a little bit of an abundance of riches kind of thing where you can't afford to trade someone. Yeah, yeah. I, I just was really high on Niang out of college. I get, I get it. That was a few years ago, a few injuries ago. But it. his tape coming out of college, I was really high on. That's one of the few guys I've done a deep dive as far as his his tape and his performance, and it, it was very impressive. And you see the upside even there. The size is something you can't teach. Some of the quickness at his size you can't teach. The only concern is would any of the injuries take away the athleticism at his size? But let's. Let's go to wide receiver real fast. And let's, you like either Cornell Powell or Justin Watson. Like if I bring up either one of those guys, is is there one that stands out among the other? Cornell Powell. Now hear me out. I was not high on him when he was drafted, but I think, I think he's going to fill into that Demarcus Robinson role. I'm not saying he's going to catch the ball and run backwards. I understand Watson right now is the sexy pick. He's made some highlight real catches. Uh, He had his... Big moment when I believe I forgot who was actually the person that announced, but he was getting talked about in some major national media. Right. Watson was this guy blowing up. We've not heard a ton from him since then. I think Cornell Powell is going to be a guy who does all of the little things. I think Cornell Powell is going to do that D Rob role where he's a great blocker, a solid route runner, decent hands. The little things, a guy that the team needs, his size is solid. I just have a a feeling that Cornell Powell, they stashed him for a reason last year. Obviously, he didn't make the roster. There's a reason for that as well. But if he progressed and he has the ability to play special teams, I'm liking Cornell Powell. I, um, I hope so. I hope so because he was a late bloomer at Clemson. Remember, he was like a redshirt senior who had long been passed by younger players before then for the Tigers. And then in that final season, he like he breaks out in his final year there. And then of course is drafted by Veach. So, you know, I mean if he takes a while to develop, that may make sense. Um and we've seen him do better in camp. I'm I'm just I guess I would lean Watson. I would probably even lean some others. I you know, I'd love to see a veteran like a Josh Gordon. I mean, I just love Josh Gordon. Yeah, I'd love to see How a Josh. How dare you? <laughs> I know. I'd love to see one of those guys make it too, but special teams comes into play there. I'm not sure that Josh Gordon's a core special teams player, you know. So I'm, I'm going Watson, but, but uh, yeah. I will say this. You just brought up a Demarcus Robinson comparison. Mm. I just wanted to ask you quickly. Robinson's now with the Raiders. A lot less talent in front of him, even though they get to – even though they got Devontae Adams, the Raiders' core of pass catchers overall is not as deep sure. as the Chiefs. Do you think he's going to fare better this year statistically than he has in years past? No, because he still has Devontae Adams. He still has Darren Waller. He still has Hunter Renfro in front of him. The quarterback is Derek Carr, not Mahomes. As far as where he slotted in on this team last year, the Chiefs last year, he was about that same in the pecking order. I don't see D-Rob. I, again, he's a guy who is valuable. I do think he does the little things. There is value in being a good blocker as a wide receiver, a good special teamer. It just made sense for Kansas City to move on and go a younger route. That was the way that Chief from you. And I think a good point there from Tone B, or Tone, I don't know if it's Tone B or Tony B, he might not make the roster if he was on Kansas City this year. The Chiefs might have gone away from D-Rob either way. 
just based on trying to get younger. Um, I have uh, Darice making the roster. I have Josh Gordon out as well. I don't know if that's a, a spicy pick at all. I just don't see what Josh Gordon brings at this point. The name recognition is solid, sure, but it's been years. We saw what he did last year. It was not impactful. His touchdown was one that they basically drew up to get the media off of his back. He's not playing special teams. He's not younger. I don't know what he brings, and he's had a case of the drops. I just don't see how Josh Gordon makes makes the rush. And again, nothing against him. He, he had a solid, solid NFL career. He had a lot of his prime taken away from decisions. And at some point, though, you just got to move on. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I, I uh it was just interesting to me to think about him in a new environment. I I like following former Chiefs to see where they go and what they do and how much they meant to this team and really like it's almost a sign of like how good of a player they really were. Um, and you know, it, it, I don't know. Anyway, I, I I like following that kind of stuff. Who's your fifth wide receiver then? Because I think they keep six guaranteed. I, I I'm just. I think that's almost a lock at this point. They're only going to keep. I did a whole roster breakdown yeah. and it made sense for them, even with four tight ends to keep six wide receivers. That's just how my breakdown of the 53 man roster went. So I had Darice and Powell as my last two wide receivers. Who are your last two? Yeah, I, I like Fountain to make the roster. I, I think he's. I think he's just a solid player. I, I would put Watson in there. It also wouldn't surprise me because here's the way that I think about tight end. Most people are like, like OMG four tight ends. Like that's too many for that position. But I guess I don't think of Jody Fortson as like your typical tight end. He's like, he's that big receiving target. And like, when I think about tight ends, I think you have Kelsey, you have Blake Bell as your blocker. You have Noah Gray as your Kelsey insurance. Uh, you're right. He's the guy like Kelsey's so meaningful to the offense. He's in his mid thirties. It's almost like they've kind of attached a guy to him who I think could probably really do a lot of similar things with his excellent hands and route running. So I, th- I think Gray's there. Like when we talk about, Oh, they could run two tight end sets or do all these things. I just don't think of the tight end position in that way. I think you have Kelsey with a Kelsey junior and then you have Blake Bell, and then you have Fortson, who's kind of this hybrid. So to me, if like instead of thinking in like black and white terms, like we have six receivers, four tight ends, to me it's more of like, well, you have Fortson, who's kind of a hybrid of all of that, and I don't really care what position you put him in. He's your big end zone target. Yeah, I mean, you know, of course he is a tight end, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So it'd be the same thing as if as if um, who's the kid, Jerrion. Jerry and Ely or whatever, right? The yeah. new the new running back. I mean, let's say he like let's say he impresses somehow, and they're talking about playing him at maybe like an H back, you know, flexed out role, like doing a little bit of like lining up wide. You know, like you could say, oh my gosh, are they going to carry another halfback? But if they carry him, he's going to have other uses on the roster than just the the spot he's in. And so I don't know. I think the way we talk about rosters and positions in 10 years is going to be dramatically different than it is now of like just saying we got four quarterbacks, whatever. It's like the NBA. The NBA went to more positionless totally. basketball, right? Totally. And so I think the NFL, you're starting to see a little bit of, a little bit of that with Jamal Adams as a safety linebacker, somewhat hybrid. Micah Parsons as an edge linebacker, somewhat hybrid. We'll start seeing more and more of this, I think, just based on the athleticism of players seems so much higher. And, and maybe it's because 
when you start in, in youth sports, you're no longer focusing so strictly on one sport. You're playing others. Let's say you play tennis, you have better foot, better footwork. Say you play basketball and football and baseball, so you have better hand-eye coordination. I just think we're starting to see a lot more of that. At least that's what I've I've been watching and learning from a lot of people smarter than me. That's, that's kind of the way it's going. As far yeah. as Fortson goes in the tight end room, if I had my druthers, I would probably keep three tight ends, but just with the way the was- the roster broke down, four does make sense. And I like your point on Fortson. I think Noah Gray would be the odd man out if they went with three tight ends. I don't know what he does better than any of the other three tight ends. As far as you, obviously, Travis Kelsey, if you're going blocking, you're going bail. If you're going receiving, I'm going Jody Fortson. I think Fortson's a better blocker than Noah Gray as well. I think they like the potential of Noah Gray. We just have not seen anything. If they go three tight ends, I would think he'd be the odd man out, but I, I just have a feeling they're keeping four. That's the way I think it, it, it breaks down. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. It, but but these are interesting questions, right? I mean, we're going to – there's a lot of receivers that we haven't even talked about who still have plenty of weeks to make their case. Omar Bayless, Gary Jennings, Corey Coleman. So, yeah, wide receivers not done. Uh, tight ends not done. Yeah, right now, Jody Fortson nursing a quad strain. So, you know, you just never know how even those things will affect the decisions that Andy Reid has to make. 100%. As far as fullback goes, <laughs> Michael Burton's making it at fullback. I don't know why Andy Reid has this obsession with fullback. I don't understand it. Blake Bell, you could probably throw back there and get away with uh, 17 plays the fullbacks used in a season. But Andy Reid loves his fullback. So <laughs> Michael Michael Burton is a lock. I'm writing that one in in pin. I, I will also say the four tight ends, the more I've thought about it, Andy Reid used some 13 personnel last year when they actually had four tight ends against the Eagles, and the offense was rolling. So I think if they're going to use more 13 personnel, especially with Tyreek Hill not here, then it does mo- make more sense to have four tight ends. Uh, really quickly, guys, if you like the Airhead Attic podcast, please consider becoming a member of the Airhead Attic family. Airhead Attic members get access to special emojis, loyalty badges they can use during our live YouTube streams, and they also get an invite to a private Discord where they can hang out with AA hosts and talk Chiefs football, movies, beer, so much more. Uh, we appreciate all your support, so if you want to check that out, check the link about joining in the description wherever you get this podcast. Uh, Matt, I want to ask you something. The Chiefs added Carlos Dunlap to the edge room. What does he do as far as Chiefs went from a disastrous situation at edge adding Carlos? What does that mean? I mean, uh, when was the last, I can't remember the last time I was this happy about the Chiefs edge situation and it's only been like a few days. I, I just feel like I've been converted. First of all, I've been converted to Frank Clark 2.0. Have you? I mean, I'm like, I'm watching these clips I'm watching these clips, and Frank Clark is basically a game show host now. Like, he's glad handling everyone. He's like, come in, welcome, sit down. Uh, you Come over here, George Karloftis. Uh, by the way, I love that Travis Kelsey called him George Karlofagus. Uh, I need a George <laughs> Karlofagus jersey. Snuffleupagus. George Sarcophagus jersey. Uh, anyway, you know, I mean, by all accounts, Frank Clark is – the guy we wanted him to be all along right now. Of course, it's preseason. I haven't played a preseason game, <laughs> let alone like any meaningful game. But, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you telling me Frank Clark is in the best conditioning, the best shape of his life? I am. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I don't, I like, I know I could get burned. I know it sounds silly. I know all that. 
but I'm I'm buying this stock that says he's a changed man, a motivated man. They said that Andy Reid sat down with him and just straightforwardly said, hey, look, last year was a disappointment. This can't happen again. He's back on the restructured deal. With a good year, he could actually make some decent money next spring. He's only going to be like 29, 30. He has an opportunity for a paycheck left in that way. Uh, so I want to buy that. Now, I say all that to say I'm also buying George Karloftis. I, like, I love what everyone says about the guy. Everyone's just saying he's a pure dog in there, like getting after everyone and everything. He's he's soaking up as much knowledge as he can. He looks the part in drills and practices. So if you've got two even league average or above starters at edge already, then you add Dunlap to that. Then you add Mike Dana, who looks better than ever, and is talking about wanting like a career year, five, six sacks. Well, everyone it, talks about that. No one's sitting saying, you know what, I want an average year. I don't. Of I haven't going to say I'm going to have a career year. I don't. I want two sacks this year for me. So <laughs> That's well, a career year for you. <laughs> it is a career year for me. I've never had a sack in my life other than a sack of groceries. So, yeah, here's – I just think there's got to be – I, I know it's a lot of talk right now. But I'm buying it. I'm buying it because there's a new coach in Joe Cullen. I'm buying it because there's actually a real first round investment. I'm buying it because Frank Clark is hanging on by a total by his last thread instead of like having multiple years left. And I'm buying it because Dunlap is also the new signing. And we saw what Melvin Ingram's addition did at midseason when they got a guy like that. So all that together, I'm feeling very good. I'm feeling good to very good about Edge. How about you? I'm feeling fine. I'm feeling fine. This was an improvement. This was a solid pickup. A guy who, looking at the past six years from 2016 on, the averages are right around eight sacks. That's solid. Uh, When it comes to Frank Clark, I just don't want to hop all in. We hear all the time players say, I'm going to have a career year. I'm going to do this, that, and the other. How often actually do it? We have a track record with Frank Clark. Do I appreciate what he's done with the openness, the candidness he has shown? 100%. You love to see it. I I like the fact he said he's given up alcohol. Apparently that was an issue for him as far as getting in shape, his endurance. We saw his endurance struggle at times last year. He's lost a lot of weight. Yeah, Uh, He's never been super bendy, even younger. So I'm a little bit intrigued by the loss of weight because how will this affect him in the run game? How will this affect his his power moves up front? Um, I'm intrigued by Frank Clark, but kind of the same thing with, with, with Hardman. We have a track record. To expect greatness seems foolhardy. I will see Frank Clark, and if he performs, I will be back in his corner. I'm not hating on Frank Clark, but to just come out and say, oh yeah, Frank Clark getting eight plus sex easy, that just seems like an asinine comment, especially with Carlos Dunlap. What did he do best? Get after the quarterback. Frank Clark might be used more in a first and second down role. Dunlap, come, Dunlap comes in on obvious passing situations. Dunlap did had did have eight sacks in his past six games for Seattle. There's a lot to like about Dunlap in that situational role. In a timeshare with him and Frank, that to me makes the most sense. Yeah, well, I hope so. You're putting a lot on George then to be the to be uh, the consistent man outside out there. Um, yeah, you're right. I, um, I'm buying the hype without the substance to back it up right now. I'm okay doing that because otherwise I'm miserable about it. When have you seen Frank Clark since he's come to Kansas City be a disrupting factor outside of the playoffs? Playoffs, I will 100% get you. He was incredible. He was a game wrecker. He was a massive reason why the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I'm not hating on Frank Clark, but compared to what the Chiefs 
gave up and paid him. Obviously, it's been a slight yeah, disappointment as far as his production, the individual production. Yeah. Why would we all of a sudden buy all of a sudden now? This is his this is Frank Clark's breakout. No, I I, I don't disagree with you. I, I like I wouldn't I wouldn't say anything you're saying is wrong. I'm saying there's a choice to make to either be optimistic or not. And I would make that choice to be optimistic. That doesn't mean you're pessimistic. Sure. It means you're realistic, which is more grounded in and more likely. But I also think, you know, like we've seen we've seen injuries get the best of some of these guys, and they're called bus because of it, right? We know that Frank Clark has struggled with even minor injuries, right? That, that there's, he's had like stomach problems where he's like throwing up before games or whatnot, or there's like lingering hamstring injuries or whatever else. That 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 little physical difference, we see him on the field and then he doesn't live up to it. And we're like, what's wrong? And the, the truth is, they're ineffective. And so if you go back, it's like it's like there was a point where you say, well, like like D Ford was a bust the year before his breakout effort, right? He had ten sacks. And then now he's got all these injuries and you're like, oh, but then there's a year, the contract year. There's no denying that in that contract year, D Ford, D Ford was up for defensive player of the year voting. I mean, he was like that burst off the line. He put it all together. He put his head down and did what he needed to do to earn the money. The contract year being undefeated as, as the quote goes from the great Therese Paler, you know, like he put it all together that year and everyone that year had to admit Look, he may have he may have had down years, but the guy at least had what it took. I don't know why he didn't always do it or whatever, but the, and I and I so I don't want to say that Frank can't do it because maybe some maybe the injuries have gotten the best of him or he hasn't been as effective or, or maybe he hasn't been as motivated. I, I I can't speak to any of that, but I don't think there's also no reason to be optimistic either. I am more optimistic about Carlos Dunlap than Frank Clark. That's where I'll say it. I get it. I get it. And I appreciate that. Well, folks, um, by the way, after this, if you're looking up highlights, Turk Wharton today did a total number on Trey Smith in practice with like a couple of the coolest spin moves uh, and pass rushes. And as we're talking about the defensive line, of course, the presence of Chris Jones looms major. But if Turk Wharton, who can, by the way, slide outside, if Turk Wharton can be a guy making that leap, I love that. Anyway, hey, so we're at the end of the show here. We're, we're doing a little thing. We started it last time, and then I was gone last week. Uh, we wanted to, you guys turned the Carlos Dunlap segment into the Frank Clark segment. We did. We did. We were overtaken. <laughs> we were overtaken. Frank came off the line, and I I wasn't ready for it. And he just I talked it. a lot of Frank Clark last week with Jeff Chadia. Yeah, sorry. I, about that. That's fine. No, no, you, you just bailed. It's okay. You were playing with saws and hammers and. You, you had I to do that. that. I get it. I do that. I do that. Uh, anyway, folks, we want to end our show with something we're going to call the must list. Uh, you know, we love football. All of us love football, uh, but we also love other things. We love music, uh, like Pearl Jam, uh, you know, whatever. We love books. We love movies. And also, some of you guys may not know this, but one of the coolest guys is actually always hanging out behind the scenes um, here at Arrowhead Attic on the podcast. His name is Richard. He's our producer. And Richard's always listening in, but he never says anything. Um, and so we thought, let's bring Richard into this. Let's do a must list just for the sake of recommendations. And as we do this, like, I love recommendations. I Like, I usually read what people tell me to read. And I usually, like, watch what people tell me to watch. Um, whatever. So today's must list, this week's must list. Uh, I just wanted to see, Sterling, uh, what are you watching these days that you would say, hey, look, if I can recommend anything, like, what would you recommend people to watch? 
I truthfully don't watch much TV at all. I'm not a binge watcher when it comes to shows, uh, but I would go with Ozark. I love Ozark. As someone living in Kansas City, as someone who used to go to the Ozarks a lot, as someone who's going to the Ozarks uh, next week, it's fun. I know it's not actually filmed there. At least most of it's not filmed there. It's still intriguing. It's a great show. I love Jason Bateman. I loved him in Arrested Development, but I think Ozark is just such a fantastic show. Man, like, why are we doing a must list of what to watch if you don't watch anything? I watched that show. I have I first two and a half seasons. I'm still stuck. I've uh, yet to watch the last one and a half. Oh. You haven't even finished the show. <laughs> no spoilers. No, right, spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. Hey, by the way, uh, by the way, yeah, we're doing our must list. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the show. Uh, there's a new show called uh, The Bear, newer show called The Bear on Hulu about like a Chicago kitchen. It's like such riveting i feel silly talking about it now but it's like it's incredibly riveting it's like a tense drama kind of comedy it's it's really great uh also scooter says the boys any good which is like killer the show i love boys yeah oh i thought you were talking about us i was like the boys are good i'm like yeah we're doing pretty good yeah i mean boys are feeling pretty solid yeah 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 i love it uh richard you got a must you got a must watch for us hey guys uh didn't know when to put myself into the show here but my must watch for today or for this week i guess it's gonna be the orville I've been talking about this in the Discord, especially to Cheeto Freak, who's a Star Trek fan. Yeah, Seth MacFarlane's The Orville, really good stuff. The third season has been excellent so far, so check out The Orville. It's on Hulu, and I think it's on Disney Plus August 10th. So, yeah, big recommend. Dude, how awesome is this? You guys get to actually see Richard's face. Look at that glorious mustache. You guys, Thanks. You guys Appreciate that, Sterling. Yeah, we normally get to watch. Uh, we normally just hang out with Richard after the show. He like makes an appearance after all is said and done. Anyway, um, what about music? What are you recommending this week, guys? I'm going to go with Marcus King Band. They're incredible. Love Marcus King. Love the band. It's um, I don't know how to describe their music necessarily. It's rock meets Southern rock meets a little bit of, what would you say? A little Not, not soul. But He's a little, got a bluesy little, guitar. He's a little incredible. bluesy. Yeah, a little bluesy. Marcus King Band, they are incredible. If you like like fits in the tantrums, um, check out Marcus King Band. You'll love them. Richard, what do you got, man? Uh, in terms of music, I am going to recommend Toro Imois' last LP, Mahal. Really cool uh, psych funk, I guess, artist. Very laid back record. Pretty cool if you're just like chilling on a Sunday, hanging with the friends. Or if you're me, you're just riding your bike around Chicago and just want to listen to some like cool jams. Toro Ima Mahal. Hell yeah. You know, I haven't listened to that guy since he like a Chaz first came out and it was like bedroom laptop pop. Like he was just like making like, I don't know, you know, the kind of like just alone on his computer kind of stuff. And then uh, now I think he's like a much bigger artist and kind of blew up in indie circles, whatever. Uh, I'm going to throw out Savannah Conley. I love her. I'm not sure if you guys have heard her or not, but uh, like she's out of Nashville. I'm kind of a sucker for like Phoebe. You guys like Phoebe Bridgers or any of that kind of Oh yeah, she's solid. Hell yeah. Kind of stuff like sad girl rock is like... <laughs> I love it. Julian Baker, all that kind of stuff. I just love it. And anyway, Savannah Conley's great. She's kind of in that circle, um, except a little bit not so sad. Anyway, yeah, what about books? We got any must-reads this week before we sign off? Uh, I'm going to sound like the biggest nerd, uh, but candid by Voltaire. Uh, I don't like that old shit normally, but I was like, let's try it out, right? Voltaire, he's a famous dude. Let's read this book. It's going to be a, a snooze fest, I'm sure. Really good. Very clever. Extremely whimsical, right? I like whimsical shit. So read that. That should be on the book cover. I like whimsical shit. Yeah, farcical. It's it's very farcical. 
Love it. Love it. Well, what about you, Richard? All right. I'm going to be the second biggest nerd and recommend a manga for my must read this week. I just got finished with Kazuo Umezu's The Drifting Classroom. It's a, a manga from the 70s about a classroom or actually just actually a whole school of students, kids, faculty members. They all get transported to a desert wasteland where they have to uh, fend off monsters and even themselves. Uh, really intriguing read. Very fun. The Drifting Classroom. <laughs> Man, Richard, that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Great. Yeah. I am horrible with pronunciations. All the stuff that you listen to, you read or watch, I should try and pronounce sometime. That'd be a very fun skit because it's I all been like, in different languages. Yeah, yeah, it's all in different languages. <laughs> there's no chance I get any of it correct. Uh, have you guys seen? There's a Netflix movie called Spiderhead. Have you seen this? It's no. got like Chris Hemsworth and uh, Miles Teller. Um, and some others. Anyway, it's based on a short story by George Saunders, who's like maybe my favorite author. Anyway, my my recommendation for this week would be uh, really anything by George Saunders, but he's got a great short story book called Civil War Land in Decline. Um, he's just awesome. Anyway, so uh, yeah, well, that, that brings us to our must list, our exciting must list. Um, anyway, folks, it's been, um, it's been great to catch up with uh, all you guys again. Richard, good to actually see you on the show. Sterling, good to see you again. In the comments, there's all kinds of great, uh, all kinds of great comments and recommendations. Can't wait to check those out too. By the way, John, I cannot find Slaughterhouse Five anywhere. I try to go to bookstores and not go to Amazon because you know shopping local. But Kurt Vonga, I cannot find Slaughterhouse Five, and it's been driving me insane. I've gone to like seven bookstores. I've got it. I've got it, and I've got an extra. Send me your address. By the way, I'm I'm in Indianapolis, the home of Kurt Vonnegut and the Kurt Vonnegut Museum. So. We have that stuff aplenty around here. Uh, yeah. Hey, love to all you guys in the comments. Love to all you guys uh, listening in. Um, however you're taking in the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, we're always thankful to anyone hanging out with us. For Richard, for Sterling, for myself, know that later on we'll sign off. But no, next week or on uh, Thursday, you'll get Matt Verderam and Patrick Allen uh, talking about Carlos Dunlap's arrival in KC and much more. We'll see you then.